It's playoff time, big stakes and bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right, for every 1,500 players who bet the over on the selected game, will drop the over-under by one point. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of hitting the over. So tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Maximum $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends on 5-23-21. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Iceberg Post Game Show featuring the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Of course, the Penguins win by a score of 5-4, to four, now lead the series by a score of two games to one. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined as always by Nick Horwat. We have a lot to get to, including a lot of friends that are going to be joining us. Let's start it off with Dougie Gladkey, as always, the favorite. He is on the show and also a surprise from the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's State of Hockey with that beautiful 1-6 behind him. Let's start with Dougie. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> Big XL there. through a lot, but um, oh my goodness, there were there were times where it was it was pretty bad. So, but glad they got the win. Glad the Tanev got the goal. Crazy though. <laughs> Let's send it over to Hoppy. How how you feeling over there? Just just giggling. Buddy, we're just fucking buzzing right now. Penguins pull that off. Now we got wild up one nothing on Vegas. Oh, Mark Andre Fleury yep. just. The greatest goal that's ever lived, if you've only watched hockey for the past week. <laughs> oh, and uh, you're welcome, boys. I had to throw up the Zucker jersey because I knew the Addison one would trigger you. So <laughs> That's fine. As long as Addison's in Minnesota and nowhere else, I think the Penguins fans can respect the Minnesota Wild as of right now. Kind of, It's not rooting for them to not beat Flurry, but one of those two teams need to go. We're also joined... But Fast and Furious oh, by Hunter Hodes of the Locked wow, On Penguins. Hunter, how's it going? Uh, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend thinks I'm crazy right now. <laughs> that was some kind of game. Um, uh, that was. I haven't been that amped after a playoff game since 2018. I think it's been oh. it's been a while. But that that game had everything though. Um, I think the main thing I took away with you know that's what the Islanders do, man. They, they just, they, their whole fourth line will just, they'll goon it up. And when they're losing, they just, that that's what they'll resort to. And, you know, my, I tweeted this Mike Sullivan's mantra of just play shined right there. And Brandon Tanev, his celebration, put that at my funeral. Everybody. Uh-huh. Please. <laughs> 
That's absolutely amazing. Horwan, I kind of skipped over you. I feel bad. Yeah. How, how are you doing, buddy? It's all good. And you skipped over me. I only have a few minutes here. I'm at my buddy's house again. But uh, yeah, we are all, our heart rates are up to say the least. But that was one of the more exciting postseason games we've seen in a while. And for the first time since 2018, we have a series lead, everybody. Let's all take a decent-sized exhale and know the same shit's coming on Saturday. Yeah, it's oh, a, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a big win to win at Nassau Coliseum, someplace that the Islanders have not lost at very often here. But the Penguins, of course, pull off the 5-4 to four win. There was a comment from our fellow compatriot at the Hockey Podcast Network, Neil Villapiano, saying Tanev is goal-scoring Jesus. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people in Pittsburgh definitely agree with that sentiment, Neil. But that brings me to my first question, and I'm glad Horwat's here for it. And I'm glad Hunter's here for it because I know he has to jump on his own post-game show in a couple minutes. But my question is, who is yeah. your MVP of this game? I know the NHL has three stars, but who is your first star of this game? Horwat, let, let's go to you because you look like you, you're ready for it. Uh, I had to think for a second, but the easy answer is probably Jeff Carter. I mean, mm -hmm. the only one to really give it his all the entire game. I mean, I don't know what our first line did for a little while. It seems like they weren't able to really complete passes at all. Uh, Tristan Jari, again, needs to do better, straight up, 100%. Good, like, actually play the game of hockey for uh, for some reason. And, yeah, Jeff Carter's is the easy answer for two goals. The biggest one coming with that uh, power play goal, too. Are there any? Is there any other uh, people eating crow on Jeff Carter? I know uh, our, our good friend Danny is, uh, and everyone yeah. else right now. Um, but yeah, Jeff Carter is obviously the big MVP. Brandon Tanev, um, he's up there, obviously, as well. <clears throat> but you know, I also say Sid that shot block. He put the stick right in front of Brock Nelson's uh, stick. Hmm. That was going in with like two. What was it two minutes left or something like that? That was about to go in, and he basically saved the game right there. I do agree with Horvat about Jari. Um, I'm not going to pin a lot of the goals on him, and, and namely, I think a, a couple of them he just really had no chance on. But I will agree he does need to be better. Um, for the most part, he was bouncing back, I thought, um, pretty well in this game. He was making some big saves early on that I think people are going to forget about. But um, it, it's not where you want to be just yet with your starting goalie, but I think it's still a little bit of a step in the right direction. But I said going into this, you know, they wanted to, they needed that split at the Coliseum. Come back at least 2-2. Two, two. You'll have two of your last three PPG Paints Arena where the Penguins have also not lost a lot at home. Also, there's rumors that the Penguins may go to full capacity at game five, more, uh, swirling around. So that's obviously huge. But um, it was just a huge statement win. And now, I mean, obviously winning game four would be great. Go up three games to one, put a stranglehold on them. But you at least accomplish your first part of the mission, getting a split at Long Island. But now if you can yeah. really sweep them there, that then they'll That's start to get a bit nervous. Yeah, because yeah. – and I think the Islanders and their fans know that this is nothing like 2019 now. They're playing a completely different Penguins team. And um, it just like the, the steal on the Penguins, like just when Clutterbuck tied it up, it was like, wow, you know, you honestly felt the inevitable coming that, you know, they're probably going to go to OT here or something. Um, but – uh, just the will that this team, you know, I just haven't seen that in the Penguins team in a few years, to be honest. Yeah, I am physically in pain right now after watching that <laughs> game. I, I, I'm sore, my knees, my hips, everything. I don't know if th this means I'm getting older or this just means I need to calm down before I have a heart attack watching this team. But I'm glad you mentioned Tristan Jari there. I actually even had down in my notes that Jari was solid after the second period is when I, I wrote that. And I also wrote that the defense was solid, but the third period... A lot went out the window 
for whatever we saw in the first two periods. The third period was an entirely different game. But let's also get let, – let's go to State of Poppy. Who was your MVP? Do you agree that it was Jeff Carter, or, or do you <laughs> think there was somebody else that got the MVP today? I mean, Jeff Carter doesn't get any mention here if we don't have Semyon Varlamov. Uh, <laughs> and the reason I'm going to give him the slight edge over Jeff Carter is, like, even though, like, some of those goals weren't his fault, there's a lot to step back and think about now after Sorokin got that game one win. A little turmoil there with which goalie to go with in game four. I have no problem with uh, Trotz having to think a little bit harder on that one. Yeah, it's nice having his big brain be put to work because everybody says he is this matchup god and this decision-making god. So let, let's see I, what he does here. He is a pretty good fucking coach, man. <laughs> he is. He's a top five coach in hockey. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm mean, just seeing, let's, let's give him something to actually decide here. Make him sweat a little bit. That's what we're trying to get at. Yeah. He needs to be mm, more than just yeah. saying there's going to be a Russian in net. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that until just oh, now. Oh, uh, 2-0. Here we go. Ooh, who scored that goal? Is Marco, yes. is Marco Andre Fleury kind of playing like – is he playing like crap or is he like – does he have no chance on these? Well, no, guys, uh, you know, you're longtime Penguins fans. Marc Andre Fleury doesn't play bad in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. You know, don't, don't, don't tell that to all these little Fleury stands here that People are still don't. mad. People don't realize that. Like, he had such so, a gap where he was just I the know. reason that we lost, right? State, state, of, state of Hobby, yeah. don't, don't tell that to all these little flirty fan, fan, fanboy fangirls in the fan base. No, they're still <laughs> mad that Matt Murray and Tristan Jari took his job. Can't mm. say anything bad about Flower. Hey, I'll, I'll get you guys oh, pissed me right now. I don't care. I, I think Murray's a better goalie than Jari, and I'll stand Ooh. by that. Ooh. Well, okay. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see on that. I'll, I'll see how he goes. <laughs> uh, Dougie, before we bring Richard Blosser into the stream, what is your MVP of the game or first star, if you will? Honestly, I think that we all unanimously agree is Um His calming presence at times, which is huge for them. Um, you know, like every time he, he stepped on the ice, you knew he was going to do something impactful and be able to put the back in. So definitely Jeff Carter for tonight. Definitely. And I think that's as good a moment as any to bring in the hockey hack, Richard Blosser of the Grit and Barrett podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. How's it going, Richard? Are, are you at work right now? I am in my second studio, i.e. my car. <laughs> we we, we got to love it. Well, Richard, uh, don't want to throw you into the fire too quickly, but we've been talking team MVPs, or for the game at least. Who do you think gets the, the gold star from you? I'm sure you guys have said it, Jeff Carter. Yep. Just Jeff Carter with a very, very, very close second to Brendan Tenev. Yeah, that is the first time anybody said Tanev. And I, yeah. I understand Carter and the goals that he had were huge. I mean, you think about it, his first goal came right after the game was tied, I believe, in the second. I don't know. It's been a long, long game. but a long third period. Yeah, and then, of course, that huge goal on the power play in the third period. This is exactly why Ron Hextall and Brian Brook brought him in. So huge game for, for Carter, a big goal for Brandon Tanev, who even stayed a poppy whenever we said – who is going to be the difference maker in the playoffs? You said other, and you put in the comments Tanev. Now, are you going to take full credit for that, or were you trolling a little bit? Well, I wasn't trolling at all, but I mean, I'm not going to take like crazy credit because I was one of the people that was pissed about the contract at first, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Like, it was one of those ones that you look at and it's like, yeah, for the first two years, I'm pretty jacked about this. But <laughs> then what? I got to say, though, he can stay if he just tells me who his Coke guy is. 
he can stay with the hair alone. That is some sexy hair, man. I just, I can't get enough of it. I also love that they mic'd up Crosby for game one, and it was basically all stoic, not really saying much. Then they mic'd up Tanev, who is the complete opposite for game two, who is just a nutcase, entirely a nutcase. Yeah, horrible mic job to pick Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we have something very important to talk about, and that is that scrum at the end. We will get to Pierre Maguire for anybody that wants to talk about him here in a bit because I have to eat crow for trying to defend Pierre on our latest episode. And then he goes out and has the worst possible game, I think, of his career. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's talk about the scrum because I feel like that's the major story that's going to come out of this and what's going to leave a lasting impact because obviously you see what happens. The Islanders down two goals, start to go hard at Jari to the net. That's what they're they're good for. They have a lot of big bodies. They know that the Penguins aren't the greatest at keeping people out of the paint. So that's what they went for. And it just turns into a melee. Let's start with Horwat. I mean, yep. What? how do the Penguins end up shorthanded at that point? And, and what, what craziness is that? Uh, well, we didn't get real explanations on each of these, each of those penalties that happened. I mean, okay. We had we let Crosby out after a goal because for reasons I guess I don't like we never got real full explanations unless someone has them and I'm just slow <laughs> on getting it. Um, it's instances like that where when I'm watching, especially in the playoffs, my inner Yinzer just fly, flies out and I am full mode of what troll thinks a hockey troll thinks we actually are. Like, yeah, I'm all in on it and I don't care because it's my team in the playoffs and you know i expect them to not get their asses kicked like that especially against this team and i said some very not nice things about matt martin so i i have to be very careful what i tweet because i i had some things in my head i was like okay i gotta like come and calm it down here but yeah matt martin there Dude's a joke, I guess is my best way of saying it. Um, I remember, I can remember. He's a, he's a disgrace. That's what someone, he is. Yeah. Someone had mentioned that they saw him at a Duncan or somewhere. I, I think it was Matt. He's yeah, hilarious. Matt, he yeah. saw him in public. And I almost responded with, I remember after the Penguins went down 3-0 in 2019, I was at work at State JE. I was driving back home past their hotel, and I saw them all getting off the bus. And Matt Martin was the first one I saw. And not gonna lie, for a quick second, I thought, you know what? <laughs> Let's do this. But uh, smarter heads obviously prevailed there. But you know, yeah, we've all had that thought when seeing Matt Martin, right? I mean, is he an honest to god NHL player here? S- same with uh, Cal Clutterbuck. I've never been able to stand him either. Yeah, um, no, I, we, I had a roommate in college who loved him, but that's about it. And it's just like, you know, when they were down by two, you know, that's what the Islanders resort to. They've been doing that for years, like when they play the Penguins. I mean, it's, we're not obviously talking 2011 over here with Trevor Gillies right. and I don't even know who else was on the ice. But, I mean, it's just when that when that stuff happens, like, you know, that's what that's what they do. And they, they try to get the Penguins off their game. Um, they've been doing that for years. You know, like I said, Mike Sullivan's mantra of just play really shine through there. They'll be curious to see what Mr. Burke is uh, – thinking up there in the press box right now yeah he is constantly tying and untying his tie now that we know he knows how to tie a tie thanks to that tiktok <laughs> tutorial that the penguins put out so yeah. definitely grade a Thank content God for the penguins and tiktok yeah, yeah. <laughs> grade a 
right there. Oh, man. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously, with that melee, got the extra penalty because of a slashing to Jake Gensel as they were going to the box. So you already have 10 guys in for roughing is the polite way to say it. And then another guy throws an extra slash, and you're like, nope, you're, you're up by one goal, so you're going to go on the kill now. I, I think there's a lot of issues with the way that that third period was officiated. Yeah. And it, it seemed like they couldn't remember who they were trying to give a makeup call for. So they just kept calling penalties. Yeah. I don't know, man. The, uh, if, if you listen to Pierre, like the refs were pulling for the penguins the whole time. So you know, said hobby. How about that analytic equation though? You know, that, that's Ooh. my big thing. I mean, I mean, no, no, no. He couldn't. He couldn't have been more excited when someone mentioned the character of the Beluger line, right? Yeah. He's like, "Oh yeah, there's no way that you can measure that with analytics." Yeah. Jesus Christ, Pierre! And he just talks about, like I said, like the analytic equation. It's like, dude, they have the best numbers in the league. If you look at their code, it's not Patrick. Like, just learn something new for once in your life. <laughs> I also loved after the clutterbuck goal, I, and I tweeted it, and, and I know I love how Horwat mentioned trying to stay not Yinzer-ish yeah. on Twitter. If anybody usually follows Iceberg Podcast during games, I think we do a pretty go- good job of keeping that pretty non-ridiculous. Third period, I, I just lost all my filter. You got to follow yeah. our personal ones as well to really see it come Three out. Three to nothing? Is that is that what yeah. you're saying over there, Hobby? Oh, baby. That's two yeah, goals for I, Eric's neck. Here we yeah, go. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, usually on my personal Twitter, like, I can be pretty chill during the game. Like, I'll just give my thoughts and stuff. When the third period happened, man, I went back to me when I was, like, 17 or something. I I, I, I was like, I'm done here. I'm not doing this shit. Like, yep. Yeah, and here's the thing. It, it shows that they really had no idea what they're doing because they literally just threw everybody that was on the ice in the penalty box. I, I understand it's a melee like that, but I feel like they just gave up on let's try to pay attention to what's happening here. And they were just like, all right, everybody just go in the box and sit for two minutes because I have no idea what happened. Because Dumoulin, yeah. I, I didn't see him do anything but get his head almost <laughs> caved in while he was down on the ice. So I, I don't know. It feels like the NHL officiating is just – getting worse and worse throughout the playoffs so it's ridiculous how that whole third period ended up evolving but I I do want to mention something really quickly and give Dougie a chance to talk here Jason Zucker had an absolutely outstanding goal that might be overshadowed by that circus of a third period obviously we see the jersey behind State of Hockey but Dougie you've been at bat for this guy for a long time Tell me a little bit. Tell everybody who hasn't been at bat for him how much they need to eat crow. I mean, that was a great play by him. It was a great high hockey IQ play. But able to get make that play, put it over Varlamov. I mean, I just don't understand it. Like, yeah, the pucks aren't going in the net for him, but he's doing everything else right. He's working his nuts off every single night on both sides of the puck, but everybody just is, like, going off saying that he needs to be just this natural forward. I mean, I understand that he's a very talented uh, forward, but, like, I mean, for God's sake, like, he's a great complimentary piece to this team, and, like, you don't need to score goals as much as uh, you did whenever you first got him in the trade. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Captain now, you have so many other guys that are producing, but I mean, what a great goal from him tonight. Hopefully that gets him going consistently moving forward. 
Yes, and we do say thank you to Horoff for jumping on. Thank you to Hunter as well. I know you got to yeah. get going for your post game, but thank you for joining us for the first 18 yeah. minutes here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll say this. Jason Zucker, nice Jewish boy. Um, great goal there. Um, and I'll uh, – Nick, I'll see you um, tomorrow. And, Doug, you as well. I sent you a uh, – I DM'd you back because I'm an idiot and didn't check my DMs. Sounds good, buddy. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. See you, Hunter. Uh, Richard, I, I do want to ask you a quick question here. The Pittsburgh Too Penguins. Too bad. Oh, he's gone. I looked down. To, I looked down to look at the, the question. I, okay, that's fine. I guess I'll ask you, Hoppy. Uh, the Penguins and I talked about in Game Two, Gensel and Crosby getting into the thick of things with the physicality and the post whistle stuff, and clearly it boiled to a head here in the third period. How much does it bother you seeing those guys in that situation, especially a guy like Gensel, who doesn't seem like – I don't want to say that he's not prepared for it, but he seems a little out of his depth out there, especially when it's always against the fourth line for the Islanders. So what do you think about those guys getting in scrums like that? It's tough, right? Like, it's playoff hockey. You put yourself in that situation where, like, you don't want to be the guy that's the bitch that's just, like, backing away from any confrontation. And the Islanders are going to do it to him every time, right? Like, they want to go at the Crosby line. Having the five and five that were in the box there, perfect scenario. Islanders were geniuses to make that happen. Like, I just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to get them to not engage, but they're just never going to win that. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because just yet another thing that Pierre Maguire said that just completely irritated me. If he would have watched the second power play unit for the Pittsburgh Penguins at the beginning, then he would have known that, yes, I know that the top five are out, but that second power play unit, Jeff Carter especially, has been dangerous this entire series. So you would think, you know, doing your homework, as Pierre Maguire always claims to do, he would have known that the Penguins aren't a one-line team. And it seemed like he was trying to perpetuate that. I mean, See, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, you, you guys were obviously uh, watching the NBC feed. And this is a, a, a question that I, I wanted to propose to other people who have watched that. Does it seem like the NBC crew is sort of mailing it in or phoning it in this last season? I don't know if it's fully this last season, but I think definitely it, like the quality is going down. It, it, it does to me seem like it's going down a little bit just because I think, but it doesn't make sense because all these analysts are pining for jobs with these other yeah. two. So I don't see why they would, would phone it in at all, but, but yeah, that seems to be a little bit off. I, I mean, Babcock on intermission is almost unbearable at some point. Oh, brother. And Honestly, Pierre, like I said, I tried, to, I tried to step up to his defense in our latest episode. I called out all of his haters, and then tonight I, I fully reversed that. I'm eating probably more crow than any of the Jason Zucker haters at this point. But, I mean, it is just one goal. I understand that. But Zucker has played – if he could calm down a little bit. I think he still seems like he's overly excited a lot. But if he could calm down, he'd be great. But, no, to answer your question, Richard, I don't know if they're phoning it in because they have jobs to, to play to try to maybe, maybe phoning it in was the wrong choice of words i tend to yeah. do that sometimes but it just seems like the, the quality has gone has is gone down and saying and it, responding to your um um what you said about getzel um it, it, the pens tried the physical route two years ago and it got them nowhere mm -hmm. as when when they had um i believe 
was that when when Shen was with them? Shenanan, Riley Shenan. Oh, Shayan. Riley yes. Shayan. Yeah. 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 And and that series just went completely wrong for them. So I think the Penguins this season was more of a transition type game, a speed and transition, capitalizing off of mistakes. And I really feel like that that they've kind of gotten away from that physicality and it's worked. Mm. Yeah, it's it that, that, that like... this is who they are, more of a speed team. Yeah, and I'll let uh, Dougie. Do you have something to respond to that? I know you you said started to say something. Yeah, sorry if I um, cut anyone off. You're good. You're good. Um, I agree with what Richard said. I think they're back to being more of a speed team. Um, obviously, over the past four years or so, they've tried to get bigger and it hasn't worked. But I do agree with what you said or with what you guys all said earlier. Like, I don't like Sid and Jake getting in these scrums, but, like, if they have to, they have to. Mm-hmm. You know, Clutterbuck and Matt Martin aren't going away. There's a lot of other guys on that roster that aren't going to go away, but we just, we just got to do what they got to do do in those scrums until they're able to, like, get it open and get these doors off of them, you know? Because, I mean, I feel like it's common. Like, we just got to wait to see what happens on Saturday, but, you know. They just got to keep at it and keep playing their game. And it seemed like it happened in the first period, too, because the Islanders got a, a lot of a boost from being at home in front of their fans, and their fans were excited and amped up for this game. So in the first period, the Islanders were hitting everything that moved. The Penguins seemingly ignored it, skated past it, dumped the puck around, seemed like they were playing a pretty decent game with almost keep away from the Islanders and just ignoring all of that extra stuff. And of course, probably wear down on them by the third period. But what you saw in the first period by the Pittsburgh Penguins is what you're going to want to see going forward here from game four on. And I don't know if you agree with me, Hoppy, but I, I think the Penguins' best interest right now is the Mike Sullivan thing. They're not going to be able to just skate away sometimes, like when Cal Clutterbuck is laying on Tristan Jari, turning it into Pornhub on national television. But for the most part, if you can ignore it, you can you should ignore it. And I do agree with Mike Sullivan on that. Uh, what, what say you, Hoppy? I mean, I agree. That's just tough in the heat of the moment, right? Like, mm. obviously, they're professionals, and they need to know when to walk away. But, you know, like Doug said, that's just not always an option, right? Mm-hmm. So it it's a fine line. I don't think there's a right answer. But, yes, it's something that they need to try to walk away sometimes. Like I said, they did that pretty well in the first period, and I understand that by the third period, if you're doing that for 50 minutes, it gets pretty pretty hard to do, especially when Kyle Palmieri is trying to play shuffleboard with Tristan Jari's pads. So it it was just all in all a crazy game, and the fact that we've gone 25 and a half minutes and haven't mentioned the name of Genny Malkin, who he returned tonight in Game 3, had kind of a a silent night. He didn't really – put too many points on the board. He did have a nice assist on the Carter goal, his second of the game. So Evgeny Malkin played what I thought was pretty good hockey considering the way he played the last four games of the regular season. There was one shift in the first that Evgeny Malkin three blocks in one shift and that forced Pierre, again, a a recurring theme to say that this is part of Malkin's game. This is an underrated part of his game is his defensive and blocking ability, which it's been 15 years. I haven't seen that over 15 years. I mean, maybe here and there, but not enough to say that it's an underrated part of his no, game. No, 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 not not even here and there. That was the dumbest pull-out-of-your-ass comment I could have ever heard from Pierre Maguire. Like, 
He's not a dumb guy. Like he knows hockey, but like mm-hmm. that was just a dumb fucking statement. <laughs> and I don't know if they're they're stretching him too thin because the reason I gave him a little bit of props is because he's been on every single night, literally every single night, and it's not like he's following the series. He right. he's flying between these, so maybe he's getting worn out already in the first round by NBC. But it, it seemed like he was reaching an awful lot. With how long Malkin's been around, I. I that's where I just can't even give him the pass on that comment. But yes, by and large, dude's running on fumes. Like he doesn't know what he's saying half the time, but at least say something that like is conceivable. Yeah, exactly. Case in point in the third period, he said, Oh wow. It looks like Komarov and Malkin are yelling in Russian back. And this is amazing. It's like, wow, the, the two Russians are yelling in Russian. That's very, wow, Pierre, I'm very excited for you that you're, you're learning culture now, but, uh, where was the even initial question here? I'm, I'm trying to keep the show on the road, but uh, sometimes it, it gets a little lost. But Evgeny Malkin is where we were at. Dougie, what did you think of his performance in his first game back? I mean, like you guys said, it seemed like he was pretty quiet. But, um, it, it didn't seem like he was a complete liability. You could tell you could tell he was moving. You could tell him like there that he wasn't. That, like there wasn't something lingering like there was the last couple of regular season of the year. Um, I think that they need to, uh, you know, just let him and him get, get chemistry again with Zucker and Cappy. Um, I think that that's something that they got to work on because the other three lines were flying tonight, but that uh, that Malkin line seemed a little stagnant at times. But um, you know, I think that'll all change here in a couple of days. I think they just need more practices together because. We all have to keep in mind, Malkin didn't fly into Russia until this afternoon. So that's a big thing. They kind of just threw him into the fire and was like, all right, you're going in and we're just going to see how you do. So, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Richard, let, let's go to you. What did you think of Malkin's performance tonight? Well, probably among this, uh, this, this chat, I am the biggest Malkin stand. That's, that's my guy. So to see him having... <laughs> Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, wait, wait, Hark, did I hear that? It, anyway, um, two assists in his, in his comeback, I, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it was a good way to come back in and to um, make his presence – make his presence known and in some way kind of give the fan base say, yes, I'm back. Because you're going to have a lot of the fan base that's going to have a lot of bad memories of last year in Montreal where he was practically non-existent. Mm-hmm. So to come into New York, Long Island, and assist on get two assists, I'll, I'll gladly take that. I mm-hmm. think it was a good night for Gino, and give me more and give me more of that. Well, we are hitting the halfway point here of the Iceberg post-game show. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk a little bit about how Gino's return affects the lineup and what we saw in tonight's game. But we're going to take a quick break, pay the bills. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team, in the NHL. 
Welcome back to the Iceberg Post Game Show, Game Three. We have State of Hoppy from the Soda Pod here. We have Dougie Gladkey joining us, always a stable for the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. We have Richard Blosser from the Grit and Barrett Podcast covering the Hershey Bears. I want to thank all of you guys for joining. Thank you to Hunter who joined a little bit earlier, and of course my co-host Horwat who also joined. Hoppy, my question for you here is. What importance does Malkin have besides just him? Do, do you think the Penguins could have won the series without him? And more importantly, when he comes back, how excited are you about the lineup that the Penguins have whenever he's healthy? Could they? Yeah. Would they? Not nearly as comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, you pretty much teed it up for me, right? Like, I, I don't have to really dig deep in my brain to know where you're trying to take this. Like, it's it's huge. It is huge that you now have four lines deep. Like, having Malkin back as that second line with Zucker and Kapanen, instead of having Carter shift up the lineup, like, that just gives you infinite depth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone wants to talk about how great this fourth line is for the Islanders. Pittsburgh's, like, in spades. Way better. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd much rather have Pittsburgh's fourth line they they would be most teams third line and then our third line is jeff carter and jared mccann are you kidding me i'm sorry like it it makes all the difference in the world because like if they can really get some chemistry going and keep on burying pucks like this is every bit the hbk that we need and before we keep going i do want to apologize hoppy i was not able to procure the power rangers flute in between <laughs> segment that's, video that, that's but, that's isha and dylan shit man <laughs> yeah I, I was not able to procure that for you unfortunately but i'm hoping you will be able to go on yas flute <laughs> yes well no hey real quick like you guys don't understand this uh series is pretty pretty deep for me uh so i have two things going for me right now first one of the breweries that we're tightest with out here we bring a lot of different brewery guests on and one of the owners We'll just say his last name is Letty. Ah. Yeah, so so he and I are going to battle, and now, uh, apparently he accepted yesterday, uh, Mark Parrish and I. Mark Parrish, uh, big Minnesota hockey guy, played for a lot of different teams, but did end up working for the Islanders organization for a little bit with commentary before Mm -hmm. doing more stuff with NHL Network. And apparently he and I have a bet now that if Pittsburgh wins the series, he has to come on our podcast and if the Islanders win, Northland Vodka. This is Mark Ooh. Parrish's vodka line. Mm-hmm. I have to drink this and promote it every episode until the Islanders are eliminated oh. if they advance. Interesting. So, so I got a lot on the line here, guys, on top of just you my do. emotional sanctity. Uh, You're so going to yeah, open the I'm, gate of no free ads. It, it, it's it's going to be free ads. <laughs> It's, it's going to be, and you know what? It's it's well-earned if the Islanders can win this. And I'm, I'm not like a yeller. Like, I don't get super emotional even in the playoffs. Like, I try and kind of keep it even keel. Oh, my wife was startled with that fifth goal. Yes. Yeah, I would also say this is the first time that I have yelled as much as I have. And I told you guys, I'm physically sore right now. This is the first time I've been that invested in a game. Why your knees, though? Why? I need to understand this. Well, for one, I have really bad knees to begin with. Two, I ran four miles earlier today. And three, every time I jumped up, 
it, it just it, it hurts. So it's it's the game. It's not running four miles on bad knees. <laughs> I, I would like to give it the game. I would like to get, give the game because that's when it started to get sore. Hey, so you know, I'm you know, blaming it. Hey, when you post this to podcast, just clip all that out. We're good. We, we can okay. pretend. Yeah, we'll just say it was the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, Dougie, let me know, what do you think of this Penguins lineup? Because I know you've said a lot, and we text back and forth basically daily, and you say, you know what, the depth, the depth, the depth of this team, and finally seeing the full forward lineup as it is with Evan Rodriguez as the 13th forward and a healthy scratch. How happy are you now that the depth can finally show in full force? So I'm not going to. Whenever I saw the uh, lineup with Malkin taking line rushes today, I almost broke my hand slamming it on a counter because, like, I was like, I was like on the phone with somebody. I was like, yelling like the lines to him, and then like we got to the Bluger line, and I just like started smacking my hand off the counter for like effect. And but anyway, um, it really just boils down to this, guys. I mean, you have two number one centers, and you have two number three centers. You know. Mm-hmm. That that Crosby, Malkin, Carter, Bluger center depth set that they have right now, there's not a lot of teams in the league that can match it. You know, there's only like one or two teams in this entire like playoff bracket right now that can match it. One of them probably being Tampa. But other than that, like, I mean, they're they're just so deep. You know, um, Freddie Gaudreau, really good complimentary piece, great find. Um, you know, they have they have options to like move guys around. You know, like mm-hmm. we're not saying Zucker has to stay with Malkin or whatever. The truth is, what I would love to see would be Zucker and Gaudreau flip. You know, let Gaudreau play with Malkin and Kapanen, and let Zucker go back down with that McCann Carter pairing that would they look so good together before Malkin came back. So why not try and get that going? Maybe sacrifice Shino just like a little bit to have an amazing third line and have amazing depth scoring. I mean, the thing that that makes me think about is who was playing on the wings with Malkin in 2009? It was Max Talbot and Ruslan Fedotenko. Not necessarily your cut and dry top six guys. I I think a lot of people forget that Talbot was on the second line throughout the majority of that run for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it's fun to be able to do that. But I think right now, don't, try to fix what's not broken. The Penguins put five goals in on a defensive-minded Islanders team. I get that things broke down at the end and it wasn't really defensive-minded. But the important thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins in all three of these games, in which I think this is a complete... Obviously, this is a completely different series than 2019. There's many reasons for that. The main one, I think, is the Penguins had a lead for five total minutes in four games in 2019. They've gone into the third period with a lead in every single game so far this series. So playing with the lead against an Islanders team is massively important. Uh, Richard, how big do you think it is that the Penguins are able to get out early and get not even the first goal, but be able to have a lead after 40 minutes in all these games? You brought up a really good point, and this is something me and my own hockey friends say about the Bears whenever we go on the road. The Islanders never led this entire game. Pittsburgh was either tied or up the entire game. And that and that wears the team psyche down when you're always catching up, always catching up. And especially in that third. And uh and Nick, you see how my tweets go. I mean, mm-hmm. I am just completely emotionally invested. It's a roller coaster for me, and I love roller coasters. Um, so um 
you know, and there are people out in the yard. I don't apologize to two um, dispatchers. Be like, look, if somebody heard me yell out in the yard, I apologize. I was listening to playoff hockey. <laughs> but, but to but to see like like both times when the Islanders tied, I was yelling and maybe semi cursing because I thought, here we go again. They're going to collapse. They're going to do their imitation of the Washington Capitals. Yes, I went there. But unlike a team in red, white, and blue, they answered each and every time. Jeff Carter, the great power play goal. And then Brendan freaking Tenev with three minutes and change to go. When I think in years past, you would have seen a lot of the Penguins with their heads down, skating back to the bench. But they came back and answered the bell in Nassau County Veterans War Memorial Coliseum, Fort Neverlose, whatever you call it, not easy to do. And that, that now sets puts them in the driver's seat up to one in a huge Saturday afternoon game. Just <sighs> great stuff out of the guys. Excellent stuff. And before I go, thank you for having me on, guys. Two Islanders connections here in Hershey. Matt Molson was our captain this season, number one. And number two, Garrett Pilon, Rich Pilon's boy, is here in Hershey. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, Rich, my Richard. I, I got to comment on this because usually when someone says that there's like a connection to an AHL team mm-hmm. from an NHL team, it's usually like, yeah, back in the day, this guy played for this AHL squad and now he's up with the Islanders. No, no, no. We have Matt Molson, who played for the Islanders at one point, who has mm-hmm. reverted and is now playing in the <laughs> AHL. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> and I may or may not, I may or may yell. It's not a clock every time he scores. So, ah, but, there you go. <laughs> but um, but yeah, just I, I loved what I saw out of Pittsburgh tonight. Again, answering goals, heads up, just just you know, this is stuff you want out of playoff hockey. And I was kind of thinking at first when they got up early that this was going to be like the Rangers Penguin series in 2016 when they went to Madison Square Garden and just beat the snot out of them. I think it was like 5-1 up there. And that was a Rangers team they had problem with in the early 2010s. So maybe this might be a way that they're trying to exercise one of their former demons to hopefully get a deep playoff run out of these guys. So... So, Nick, thank you for having me on, man. I got to run. Dougie, good hearing you talk, man. And State of Hop, Hoppy, keep it up there, man. You know, I'll, I'll crack one up there for you there, there, bud. Hey, cheers, buddy. Just, uh, and uh, should I send the uh, uh, Hershey port up to you? Sorry, what now? Should I send the, Her- the uh, Hershey yingling up to you? Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> say no. <laughs> DM sometime. We'll we'll work out arrangements. <laughs> Guys, our, our people will get in touch. <laughs> As Red Green always says, keep your stick on the ice. We'll ca- we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for joining us. And that leaves three. We have about twenty minutes left of this stream to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins' victory in Game Three. Crazy five to four win. Let me just go down the goal scorers really quickly. Only one goal in the first period. That was. Chris Letang slash Zach Asnery slash Chris Letang. It's probably going to switch five more times because that's how many times it's switched in the course of this game. When realistically, everybody else said, no one cares. It's one nothing. Second period, Mayfield ties it. 
with his first of the playoffs, then Jeff Carter with his second of the playoffs to make it two to one. We already talked about Jason Zucker putting in his first of the playoffs, an absolutely beautiful snipe over Semyon Varlamov shorter. Penguins had a three to one lead after two periods of play, and then all hell broke loose in the third period. Cal Clutterbuck makes it three to two with an absolutely crazy play that I will talk about as soon as we're done with this goal update. Anthony, or is it Anthony Beauvillier? I can't even remember because I'm trying to focus on his name, last name, but Anthony Beauvillier ties it at three. Carter with a power play goal, four to three. Clutterbuck ties it with a deflection off of his hip, four to four. And then Brandon Tanev with the eventual game winning goal on a deflection that was close to being high sticking. Pretty much hard to tell from the angles that were given, but let's talk about the goal that really started all of the melee because none of this really probably happens if Cal Clutterbuck doesn't score the goal to make it three to two. There's a scrum in the corner during play. John Marino's helmet fell off. I do want to go back and look and see how his helmet fell off. It was, if it was coincidental or if something else happened, but then he is told you need to get out of the play. Your helmet is off. You need to get to the bench. He goes to the bench. Effectively the penguins, are on a five-on-four penalty kill out of there, and he has to effectively just basically give the puck to the two Islanders sitting there with the other Penguin outnumbered. It turns into a goal for Cal Clutterbuck and really is what reinvigorates the building, the Islanders' team. That fourth line, of course, is their energy line. If they score, that's what gives them the most energy. It's it's not the most skilled line, as Pierre Maguire would like to say, skill and grit or whatever he called it, but they do get goals on occasion, especially against the Penguins in the postseason. So the play with John Marino, it irritates me for the sole reason is this penalty and this rule is in there to quote unquote protect the players. I don't see the NHL really protecting the players a lot at the end of the regular season and into the first round of the playoffs. So something like that was a little off to me. Dougie, what did you think about the whole John Marino play? I know that it is within the rules, so there was clearly nothing outside of the rules at that point. But it, it just seems like there's something off about a player being told, okay, you have the puck, you were in a scrum, you need to leave and just give the puck to the other team. I just I think it's bizarre. And, you know, it might come down all the way to, like, the verbiage of the rule itself. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there needs to be gray area where it's like if they play, it looks like a player intentionally knocks the helmet off of an opposing player. Mm-hmm. That needs to be like an interference penalty of some sort, you know? Like, there yeah. needs to be some sort of something that goes for that because, I mean, strategically, you can just knock, metaphor, like, hypothetically, you just knock John Marino's helmet off every single mm-hmm. time, make them go on a five on four, and Cal Clutterbuck scores that goal nine times out of ten, you know? Yeah. Like, that's basically what it boils down to. Um, but, like, you're right, Nick. It is a, it's a bizarre role to have implemented in a league that really almost in a sense goes out of its way to not protect its players. If it were me, I wouldn't have the rule in there at all. So I think there is a place for that rule in this league, but I think you should be able to finish the play that you're currently on. You shouldn't be able to go out there and play 60 seconds in in the rest of your shift with it. Cause that's when you escalate things. But if you're in, in a scrum in the corner and you get the puck, you should be able to play the puck, have a a buffer time. And I understand that it's hard to 
ref those things. And I understand that the NHL already has a hard enough time calling the calls that they have in place, but it, it just seems like, okay, you got to freeze where you're at. You have the puck. It's an important game. It is late, you know, in the third period of an important game. No, you, you're effectively, you need to not take your ball, leave the ball, but go home. It, it's a strange dichotomy. Hoppy, do you have anything on that further? I mean, this is just a big thing and I, I'm dealing with, with it with wild fans like crazy right now with everyone that's like oh Kaprizov's too old to win the the Calder well no that's not the rule so shut the fuck up yeah like this is the same thing for me like are we talking about whether it should be a rule or whether it was enforced properly and getting into what you talked about there too Berlansky like it's a slippery slope like oh yeah there needs to be a grace period there for him to play the puck okay well when does that grace period end if he's pursuing the guy with the puck or if he's getting into position like at what point oh he's covering the guy in front of the net while his grace period's over so now he has to leave like the refs already struggle enough to your point i don't want to make it any fucking harder for him so it's i mean that we we can talk about tampa bay right everyone's all butthurt that they're playing by the rules to be over the cap here in the postseason guess Mm -hmm. what Chicago won a Stanley Cup in 2015 doing the same shit. So, like, let's stop complaining about people exploiting things that exist. And let's have the discussion, what do we need to fix, I guess? Yeah, you make a good point there. Everything was, I mean, the refs called it above board. And I think it's more just how unfortunate it was when that happened. But it just, it's such a strange thing. And it just chops up the pace of the game. And when it leads to a goal that quickly, you just look at it and you say, there has to be a better way to do this. And, and there might not be. There, there might not be. It might be easier to say, okay, it's it's easy for the refs. Helmet off, go to the bench. Don't don't touch the puck, go to the bench. But it is just a very strange... Actually, I think John Marino got called for a penalty earlier in the season because I remember having this conversation with Horwald on the podcast where he actually played the puck and they called a two-minute penalty on him. So maybe <laughs> in his mind, he's like, no, not again. And he just bolted to the, to the bench. But it was a weird weird just the way that it happened it's it was weird i do want to bring up this question that was asked by sly fox sports pod he has been all over it and they have been all over this live stream so thank you for tuning in he asked a question here do we see any of the four black aces play in this series and i'm not sure who is all on that list but i know for sure po joseph is one of the names on that list but do we think that we see any of the black aces play in this series I'd say no, but for reference, the four of Black Aces he's referring to, it's POJ, Casper Dierkvist, um, Drew O'Connor, and I think Anthony Angelo. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't really see a way that any of those guys get in. I mean, the only, the only reason I would have thought that POJ could have potentially got in would have been if Dumoulin was actually injured and had to sit out. Like, I thought there might have been, like, some, some potential that he'd go in because – we all know that Yusuf Rico isn't going to go in. No. And it doesn't make a lot of good sense to play Freeman or Rue Weedle on an off parent on, on their off side to, uh, you know, play with Latang or, you know, have Pedersen bump up into the lineup or whatever it may have been. But the forward group is so deep, like, in terms of, like, guys that are healthy scratches already. Because, like, you have Evan Rodriguez, Sam Laffey, Mark Jankowski. Like, three really... Like, I'm not going to say they're great NHL forwards, but they're definitely capable guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I might even throw Colton Sevier into that mix. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, that was the one I was forgetting about was Colton mm-hmm. Sevier. So, 
Yeah, I mean, they're all capable of playing four, third or fourth line minutes uh, on a team like this, the way it's drafted, but I don't really see any way that any of those guys would get in for from the Black Ace group. Uh, so I'm going to go with what you said there, though, Dougie, because uh, if we're going DraftKings on this, promo code THPN, um, it's one of those situations where I'm betting yes, because let's look historically, someone that matters on the blue line will get hurt. It's going to happen. Like, I'm not trying to be the negative guy, but that's the way it goes. And the reality is if it's one of the bottom pairing guys, I think it should be Ruedel. But if it's a top four defenseman, I think POJ fits that role a lot better mm-hmm. and can step in and be that type of difference maker. Like, is he a little raw? Sure. But like, we've seen some flashes of what he can do there. And if you have to slot one of the bottom pairing guys up to fill a role, I don't like it. So uh, largely though, Dougie, I totally agree with you, but just to argue, cause I love arguing <laughs> if I'm betting on it, yeah. I'm going yes. Cause someone will get hurt. Yeah, no, You'd hate to it, see it that happen, but that's a sense. good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I was so, going to say something real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. But, um, the big thing that, like, I would like to see, like, let's say if Dumoulin did get hurt, Pedersen goes with Latang and you just slot POJ with Marino. I think that POJ and Marino need to get used to playing together just to begin with. I think that that's going to be your second pairing for years to come at some point. It just it's a matter of creating that opening for POJ to stay up here consistently. So I like that, but tell me, what do you think is more likely? Who is gone first from the squad? Latang or Dumoulin? I would like wow. to think they both go out together. I would like okay, to well, think That doesn't make me feel any better, because I don't know if that means in two years or in five. But I guess my point there is I think Dumoulin's got more staying power with his style of play. And I think POJ yeah. slots in way better with him than he does playing down with Marino and sticking Pedersen with Dumoulin. But that's my only counter argument. Um, I like what you're saying. Yeah, I, you know, I think that to answer your question, farther, in the ideal world, they both go out together in like four or five years. Uh, when Latang's right, when whenever it's time for Latang to hang it up, but. I mean, for as long as Chris Letang's here, Brian Dumoulin needs to stay here. He is, you know, like I've said this before on other podcasts I've been on, like how Crosby, or like how Jake Gensel was basically like created in a lab to play with Crosby. Brian Dumoulin wants the same way for Chris Letang. Uh, that lab is called Minnesota, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude, exactly. I love it. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, it's not even a humble brag. You you need to brag about stuff like that because I mean, it's the state of hockey and the state of hoppy. And I'm very happy to see the Minnesota wild back in the playoffs and and making a difference as well, playing really well against the team. I mean, if they can play spoiler to Vegas, that would be huge on your part, but I mean, it's only game three. We'll see how that goes. Are they, are they still up two to nothing in that game as of right now? I haven't looked. Still up to rip. We're only four minutes into the second, but uh, dude, plenty of time to go. Plenty of time to go. Uh, but another one that I'll eat crow on, like Isha and I have been just pure disciples of Bill Guerin, who I've run into twice now, Berlansky. Um, but like, I was so excited when they brought him in to be the new GM. I have supported every move he's made wholeheartedly. 
with the exception of Cam Talbot, and I look like an absolute moron right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely had a great performance so far in the postseason. I mean, there's no better way to say it. I don't even have the words to say about what Cam Talbot has been for Minnesota in these first two games in a period. I don't want to say three games, but two games in a period, he's been extremely, extremely effective for the Minnesota Wild. And it's good to see, honestly. I'm still, I still have that Kaprizov jersey in my cart. I just, I just don't have the money yet. So I, I got to mention that though. Like, obviously like this kid's the real deal, right? Mm-hmm. But even better for me, because I know Richard wants to like throw down, like he's this big Malkin guy. Dude, I've, basically been a bigger fan of Malkin and thought he was more important than Crosby like throughout. And obviously that's like kind of cheeky, right? Like Crosby's the best player in the game, but what Malkin does to take over a game, like I would, I would rather ISO cam him for the game than ISO cam Crosby, because I just love the way that Malkin, he, he is Mario Lemieux where Crosby is Wayne Gretzky. And I want to watch Mario Lemieux. Sorry. Um, But Kaprizov is full Evgeny Malkin. If either of you or anyone listening listens to Spittin' Chicklets, the story from Marcus Foligno oh about God. Kirill Kaprizov, holy shit. It, it's straight out of Malkin's back pocket, right? Like, this guy, like, and he felt bad after the fact. I'll preface with that, but they're, they're texting in a group, and they've got their, uh, you know, off-season skates, right? And you got the vets, you know, the Parisi, the Suter, the Foligno, in one group, and then you've got like the bubble guys and AHL guys in another group. Kaprizov's in that group, and cool. they play like you know, day two, then day three goes by, and at the very end of the day, there's this group chat that like the whole fucking organization is in, right? As far as the players are concerned, mm-hmm. and Kaprizov says, "I'm gonna butcher it, but it's basically fuck this. I want to play with good players, not shit players." <laughs> And that it is, makes it even better that Felino like said it with a Russian accent too to yeah. like just bring full effect. But like yes. that is Evgeny Malkin to a fucking T. Oh. That's reminiscent of the Goba. You give me puck, I score. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that is just shades of three years super league three to me. That, that's league, exactly yeah. that's exactly what it's reminiscent of to me. But it, the kid is electric and he's gonna win the Calder and he deserves to win the freaking Calder. Oh, but. Man. It's just been a crazy season for every team and a crazy playoff so far. I mean, Boston, Washington, three games, three overtimes, including a double overtime and seeing Alex Ovechkin lose his crap after that game. There's so many storylines and a series doesn't start. And they always say a series doesn't start until both teams get a win. Well, after game two, both the Penguins and the Islanders had a win. And if we saw anything in game three, it is that this is definitely a playoff hockey series. It is crazy. It is hard to just understand at some points, and you never know what's going to happen. I, I, again, fully sore to bring this, this 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 full circle, but going into game four, an afternoon game on Saturday, let's have a little bit of predictions. Dougie, what do you predict for game four? Who wins the game? And if you have a score prediction, anything else, throw it out on the table. All right. Pens win 4-2. Um, Malkin gets on the board. And um, Jeff Carter just keeps doing the damn thing, baby. Keeps on rolling. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Hoppy, what do you have for Saturday? I, I got to say, going off what Dougie said there, like right now, like I know, fucking stupid, three games in, but like if 
we're done at this point and win the Stanley Cup, Jeff Carter is winning the Conn Smythe across the three games, right? Are we all in agreement yes. on that? Oh, he would be the Penguins front runner right now. Yes. No question. Okay. So yeah, Jeff Carter probably scores again because why the fuck not, right? Um, but for me, yeah, I, man, I want to see the Penguins like not get into the shit after the play like we talked about. They got to mm. be more physical though. Like Islanders are finishing every fucking check. Like it's not a matter of like them manhandling us, but they are finishing every check period. Penguins players, like they just kind of swipe and then they swing out and they go after the puck, which there's times where that makes sense, but mm-hmm. you got to hit these guys, make them tired, make them think and pick their head up every time they're going into the corner. Um, if they can do that in any capacity, I mean, either way, I, I think Penguins are in a position where they have, largely dominated every game if Mm -hmm. jari shows up if he shows up it's hard to lose i think for one of the score five three five three in favor of the penguins five three pittsburgh and yeah we're definitely getting another jeff carter goal it has to happen that would be what four and three games absolutely just JC, it stands for something else as well, but I won't go that far into it. Uh, Sly Fox Sports Pod, who has been all over our comments, we got to love it. Another thank you to him. Says, Penn's 3-1, to one, Gino and McCann get goals. It's funny because it feels like at some point, Jake Gensel is going to have to score. He keeps getting really great opportunities. I said he was going to score in this game. He didn't. I think he scores in game four, and I think the Penguins win 2-1. to one. I think it's a complete dichotomy game from what we saw in game three. Two to one win. Jari stands on his ah. head. I see Gensel getting one. So, so Sorokin does play. Okay, I like it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking too. <laughs> Especially back-to-back games. Varlamov was shaky to start game two, and two to one. Uh, that's that's not a good sign. Maybe oh, we should get. Well, the big boy finally got on the board. At least that's off our back. Like Stone was going to score at some point. At mm-hmm. least now we can like check that box and not worry about it later. Yeah, speaking of, I, I do want to mention really quickly, Matt Barzell does not have a goal in this series, and he was happen. <laughs> held without a point. So that's coming down the pike at some point. I think the fourth line has done a great job against him. But in this game, you saw a little bit more jump from him. It, it, it's coming. And it sucks to be, like, happy about an injury. Like, that's not what I'm going for right now with this vibe. But thank Jesus that Anders Lee isn't playing. That changes the entire complexity of the series. And Paul Mary's trying yeah. to be Anders Lee, but he's not. Hey, man, he's doing a damn good impression compared to what we saw in the regular season, right? Like, he came in, and I'm like, this guy's an absolute non-factor. Oh, shit, two goals in the first game. Great. Mm-hmm. And that, that whole scrum started in the third based on him, and that that led to the Islanders tying it up, really bringing the momentum full circle. So he, he's definitely given them something in this series, whether or yeah. not it's to the level of what Anders Lee would bring, we can never know that. Revisionist history <laughs> is not a not a good history. But Dougie, one last word on Matt Barzal, and then we'll we'll actually head out of here soon. Yeah, I mean it's definitely coming. Um, he's he did look a little quicker tonight. Um, the only thing that like is unfortunate for him is like. Yeah, he's playing with Jordan Everly. Jordan Everly's a very talented player, really underrated over the course of his career. But, like, he's getting flanked by Leo Komarov, man. Like, that's just such a bizarre player to have playing with, like, your franchise, you know? 
Like, I just, I just don't understand that. I feel like he's getting like almost like anchored by Komarov in a sense. Um, I'm surprised they haven't put Bovillier back out there with him and uh, Barzell have some have had great chemistry in the past, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot, little different look from the Islanders here at Game Three. Most definitely. It's going to be a fun, fun game on Saturday. It was a fun game this afternoon, I guess evening at this point for most people. But that's going to do it for the Iceberg Post Game Show. The Pittsburgh Penguins lead the best of seven series by a score of two games to one, taking back home ice advantage on Thursday. Thank you to State of Poppy. Thank you to Dougie. Before we go, Poppy, you want to pump any of your social media? What's coming up for you guys on the Soda Pod? Yeah, hopefully, and I mean, your listeners probably don't give a shit, but we have Lindsey Brown, who uh, actually is a transplant from Minnesota media down to Las Vegas. She's coming with us on Sunday to talk about wherever this series is at at that point. I couldn't even begin to guess what's going to happen the remainder of this game and on Saturday. Um, And also, I mean, randomly, I I guess I'm only six followers away from a thousand. It'd be pretty fun to chirp Minnesota fans if Pittsburgh fans were actually the ones that got me over that hump. So if you guys want to give me a little bump, a little nudge, uh, I'll definitely chirp Minnesotans, which let's be real. I already do. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to give you the iceberg bump, get you over that thousand thousand follower mark. Dougie, let us know what's coming up for you in the pipeline. It sounds like you're going to be on Locked On Penguins here soon. Actually, no. Um, no, I've started my Ooh. own thing. I, I, I started oh. my own thing. Uh, so I did this thing. Uh, it's called Four Checking TV. It's uh, it's called like I said, it's called Four Checking TV. It's me and two of my buddies from college, and it's just a hockey podcast that covers the entire NHL with a focus on the Penguins. And you know, ha- have had a lot of fun with it. Um, that trade deadline show that we did that was kind mm-hmm. of like a trial run for it. See, like who works, who doesn't, like how it would lay out or whatever. And tomorrow we're doing a new episode. Um, it'll be up tomorrow night. It's going to have Hunter Hodes on of Black and Penguins. And uh, feel free to follow my, me on Twitter at Doug underscore Glatke and follow 4CheckingTV on Twitter at 4CheckingTV. Definitely. You threw a big swerve at me, man. That is great news. <laughs> I'm very you're, happy you're on Locked On, right? No. Nah, no, nah, he's on my <laughs> show. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> that is oh, and awesome, then uh, Isha will bury me. Uh, it's at the Soda Pod. You can yes. follow all of everything that you've ever dreamed of at Hockey Pod Net, and that's all I've got. Well, you know what, State of Hoppy, the keys to the castle are yours. Anytime oh, fuck, you want on. <laughs> Hey, you know what? If you give me that key, you bet your ass I'm going to talk about the Hawaii of Canada, Victoria Island, folks. That's right. It's called Vancouver Island, but it should be Victoria Island. (laughs) Well, we might be from the wild woods of Vancouver Island, but we definitely have a presence here on the more southern part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you to everybody for tuning in on Facebook Live, on YouTube Live, and on Twitter. We will see everybody on Saturday afternoon. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. 
we are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.